You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 785 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening into Monday morning, and today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's episode, at least the second half of it, will be part one of a two-part for agent bubble preview that I'm going to be talking about, covering all of the guys on today's show anyway, that are restricted for agents this summer slash fall. But before we get into that, um, just sort of a PSA here. As regular listeners would know to the podcast, you would know that I have been trying desperately to give you three shows a week during this hiatus. It's been sort of a tall order, honestly, to get three shows a week when nothing else happening in the sports world. But um, it's been fun. I will say that it's been it's been enjoyable for me to sort of grind through the NBA draft and get as much guests on as possible, et cetera, et cetera. But now there is a Locked On Podcast Network wide push to get to four or even five episodes a week. Um, obviously, that's going to be a lot easier for teams covering the bubble in the NBA world or teams covering baseball where there are games happening as always this week, even the NFL as they rip into training camps, et cetera, et cetera. But for me and the Hawks, uh, one of the eight teams that are not going to the bubble, it's going to be pretty different and pretty difficult because there's not anything happening. Obviously, the last four months, there's been nothing happening for the Hawks explicitly, and that's not going to change between now and maybe a, maybe, the, maybe there will be a second bubble or whatever. But the next event on the calendar, as of right now is the lottery and the lottery is still uh, more than a month away. So with all that said, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I, what I can to sort of acquiesce to that. And uh, that asks to get to more shows per week, but that might mean some interviews that have guests with me uh, that get cut up a little bit into two or three parts. If you, you might've heard this last week when I had Max Carlin on the podcast, we split it into two parts. That might've been a one parter previously. Um, when Zach Hood's been on the last couple of times, it's been split up into two parts. Those are still pretty long, but um, in general, when I have long form interviews, that might be in uh, multiple parts. Hopefully you guys will be able to understand why that's happening as we uh, go through this sort of hiatus in Hawks content. So bear with me on all of that, but I want to go ahead and set that up. For instance, today's show, the second half of it might've been all one podcast with myself even, but uh, we're going to be a little bit shorter on this one, and we'll go in tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it, and if not, hit me up on Twitter. Once I have my Twitter account back, because right now my Twitter account, at BT Roland, is not functioning. I'm locked out of it and have been for the last five days. Uh, Twitter support has not been very helpful during this time, but hopefully I'll have Twitter back soon enough. And if not, hit me up at Locked on Hawks on Twitter or at Peachtree Hoops on Twitter. I control both of those, so hit me up there. You can find me if you want to. Um, but anyway, that's enough of that for now. There was one bit of news that hit over the weekend, and it came on Friday, and it was a jersey leak, actually, from Rob Perez of the Action Network. I'm sure if you're a Hawks fan listening to the show, you probably saw it, but if you haven't, you can search for it now. If You, you can find it at peacetreehoops.com. There's a link to the tweet, etc., etc., in there, but it's a jersey that uh, Sarah Spencer of the AJC confirmed was real. I then talked to a source who confirmed that also to me uh, and saying that there was more to come on that. Um, only one colorway came to light. It was that black um, primary colored jersey. Uh, Chris Kirshner, the athletic reporter, this is actually the statement edition jersey for the Hawks for next year, and it's unclear to me anyway when the Hawks are going to announce all of these. This is important to note. The Hawks did not announce this, nor had they announced this still. They confirmed it, obviously, to people, including me, but it's one of those things where 
uh, it's not been an announcement just yet, and there are still definitely more more colorways coming. Uh, you probably will know this if you pay attention to the NBA at all, but even as the Hawks have had these primary three jerseys recently, they had the Peachtree jerseys, and they had the throwback jerseys, and teams generally wear their primary jerseys less these days than they have in the past. Um, that will probably apply to these as well, but this is... Uh, Interesting. It's definitely a big change. We knew that a jersey leak was co- sorry, a jersey change was coming for next season. We didn't know when. This is the first sign of that publicly that was confirmed by the team itself. Um, in terms of just some notes about the jerseys, uh, the Jordan brand logo is on the jersey in- instead of the Nike logo. I'm not sure if that's going to go across the board. That's definitely a change, though. Jordan brand has not been on Hawks jerseys previously. Uh, Nike is a big sponsor, and of course, Nike owns Jordan essentially. But one of those things where uh, that's, uh, I think, a pretty cool look, and uh, if that applies to the Hawks more than other teams, that's pretty uh, pretty nice, I think. From there, the jerseys are black, yellow, and red. Uh, many have commented they are very similar to what College Park wore this year. I would agree with that. It's pretty undeniable. They are very similar to what the Skyhawks wore in their first season in College Park. Um, I'm honestly not a huge jersey connoisseur. Um, I'm more of a basketball person, but I think these are pretty solid. I kind of enjoy them. They're not incredible to me, but they're also not bad. Um, I always found it funny, honestly, that people really, really turned on the old jerseys that the Hawks were wearing until this year, because as someone who covered that launch when the Hawks came out with it uh, several years ago now, um, the initial reviews were actually pretty positive for the jerseys that the Hawks have been wearing the last few years. Uh, people definitely soured, though, on the Volt Green concept, as well as the Triangle concept. Those did not go well. Those, those did not age well, I guess, in terms of the fan base from what I have gathered. This is definitely more traditional, more uh, sort of a back-to-basics look. And the colorway, um, people just didn't like that green, that uh, sort of Volt look. Um, this is definitely more back to basics with black, black, yellow, and red, and we'll see well, what else the Hawks come up with. But um, I always love the Peachtree jerseys that they were using last year, but from this point forward, we know what one of them looks like for the future, and if there is more information on that, we might talk about it here on the podcast. Obviously, this is not a visual medium, so it's hard to talk about jerseys to some degree, but that was uh, the biggest news that came out in the last few days, and that hit on Friday. So if you missed it, there is a quick post up at PeachtreeHoops.com if you uh, did not see it previously. Okay, before we come back with more free agent talk at the second half of the podcast a word from today's sponsor and that is the good folks at rockauto.com with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible to stock all the the car and truck parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront so why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait forever while the person behind the counter orders the parts on the computer choosing the brand only that the warehouse happens to carry Instead, you have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket, and it's a much, much better option. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, rockauto.com has everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Chain stores have different price tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everybody, and they're always the lowest prices possible. The rockauto.com catalog is also very easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login of any kind. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always very, very low and the same for for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you spend up twice as much for the same exact parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck from there, you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, we're back. And to talk about, you know, free agency is basically still a ways away, obviously about three months or so. And it might seem early to talk about free agency on the podcast. I've sort of alluded to it a couple different times and mailbags, whatever else. But in short, 
the bubble is already sort of convening, and there are televised scrimmages between the bubble teams as early as Wednesday afternoon, like two days from now, Wednesday afternoon in Orlando. I wrote a piece on Friday for PeachtreeHoops.com that takes sort of a wide-ranging look at some free agents that could be available. The Hawks might have some level of interest in between now and then. Um, as a note, it's a you know it's not a uh, list that's my recommendations for the Hawks. It's very, very long. There are lots of players on it. And I would not sign all those players or not even be interested in all those players. But I wanted to give people sort of a broad list of players that are are going to be playing in the bubble. That's an important point to uh, say again here is that, you know, I'm going to add a little bit to the printed version and talking about this on the podcast. And part two tomorrow will be even longer because it's going to be covering the unrestricted free agents. But just as a general rule here, everyone I'm going to talk about as of this moment is scheduled to play or at least be on a team in the bubble. I'm not talking about guys who are not going to be there because this is sort of a, 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 a sort of a watch guide for the bubble through the Hawks fan lens. Um, with that said, like Davis Bertans, not on this list because he's not going to be playing in the bubble. He, he opted out. Chris Dunn is a member of the Bulls. They're not in the bubble, so he, he, he won't be on this list. A couple of guys on the T-Wolves, uh, Juancho Heron Gomez and local product Malik Beasley, not on this list because they are not playing in the bubble. As well as the Hawks guys, you know, Jeff Teague, Scalabissier, etc. Not, not in the bubble, not going to be on this list. So, today will be a little bit shorter. It's going to be the restricted free agents, and there are just there's just less of them, obviously. Um, so, with that with that in mind, I wanted to sort of sort of highlight the guys who are restricted free agents that are going to be playing in the bubble that the Hawks could, could, could have interest in if they were to align with what they are looking for in free agency. So we're going to say the the big two for the end that are in line for big time paydays in restricted free agency. There are two guys who are going to get paid a lot of money and we'll hold those. But for now, um, these are sort of a handful of guys who are, I think, you know, make a lot of sense in terms of the timeline potentially or the fact that they're going to be available. They're all rotation caliber players. But here we go. First, this is going to be in alphabetical order. Uh, Chris Boucher of the Raptors is available. He's a pretty good story. And for me, a guy who was really helpful to the Raptors. Um, he's also 27 already, which is a little bit older than you would probably want for an RFA kind of candidate. But he's a really useful Big man in the modern NBA, a pretty versatile guy. The Hawks are not the best fit in the world for him uh, because of where he actually plays and what he actually needs. But I think he's a pretty underrated player overall, and if the Hawks could get him for cheap, wouldn't be a bad idea. So there's, that's that's guy number one. Um, from there, Sterling Brown of the Bucks could be interesting. It's sort of a lost season for Sterling Brown this year. Uh, he is 25, though, not terribly old, and uh, definitely had a smaller role in Milwaukee than he was probably expecting this year because Milwaukee has tons of options. Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, Etc. Etc. They signed Wes Matthews. They just have a lot of guys, and Sterling Brown kind of got lost in the mix. But I think he's kind of intriguing as a rotation quality wing. Not someone who's going to get a ton of money probably, but the Bucks may not match on him, which is important to characterize for all RFA options. Is that teams can be matching these offers if they offer the qualifying offer, and you know as a result of that. RFA guys get overpaid quite a bit. So it's often useful to see what, what the market might be for these players. Brown might be a cheap get and could be a, uh, a, a pretty reasonable rotation-level wing for uh, relatively low cost. Um, Tory Craig of the Nuggets is a pretty interesting case. He'd be on this list for me. He's very, very, very old for a player who is restricted. Most guys who are restricted are somewhere in their 20s, uh, preferably even in their mid-20s. Uh, Craig will be 30 
in December. That is very, very old for this. He sort of had, had this weird tra- trajectory to the NBA. Um, not that's not a lock on. That's not a knock on him, but he's a little bit older than you might expect. Um, also, the Nuggets may want to keep him because his defense is really important to them. They don't have a ton of wing defense, and that's what Craig's calling card is: is that it's sort of a three and D defender. Um, Again, 30 years old, a little bit older than you would want, so maybe you can get him a little bit cheaper as a result of that, but he's someone to keep an eye on that is restricted. Um, From there, I want to mention Dario Saric of the Suns, sort of a combo forward type, once in Philly, has been around the block a little bit, uh, got sort of a a delayed arrival to the NBA, so he's hitting um, RFA at 26 years old. He was not great in Phoenix this year, but he does a lot of things well. I think people have compared him. It's not a great, it's not a great comparison, but I've heard the comparison to Danny Abdia. I think that's not a great one, but I think Saric is someone who does a lot of things pretty well, nothing exceptionally well, but he's sort of a combo forward type, more of a four for me. But the Hawks could certainly use a player that does what Saric does as sort of a backup uh, combo forward type, can play some four, um, maybe even overqualified for that role, like be, be like a, be like a third forward type. He's fairly young as well. I'm not sure what his role is long term in Phoenix, where they have a lot of bodies right now between Mikael Bridges and they have Kelly Oubre and all kinds of guys on their roster. Maybe Sarge could be had for cheap. And again, not a, not a starter for me probably, uh, but some, someone who could certainly be a part of a rotation who is fairly young. His next deal should, should not be t- uh, terribly worrisome from a age standpoint and someone who I think is relatively interesting for a team like the Hawks. And lastly on this mini list is D'Anthony Melton of the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I would definitely recommend, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but there was a very in-depth profile from Peachtree Hoops' own Andrew Kelly that he wrote up on Melton where he advocated quite a bit for the Hawks to be interested in Melton, and I totally understand all of that. I would definitely, I'm not going to go into all of it now, but it's very, very good. Go read that. It's on beastrogroups.com. Also, Sam Vecini, when he, was, when he was on the show recently on this podcast, talked about Melton as a potential fit. I will say, Melton could be expensive and more expensive than you might want him to be. Uh, Sam mentioned like 4 for 55 for Melton. That's a lot of money. Same with Andrew, I think it was four years, $50 million. That's probably more than you want to pay for Melton. But as I said before, Part of the problem with restricted free agents is that you have to overpay if they're pretty good because teams usually want to max, uh, sorry, match on those offers. Uh, Melton is even even a weirder case because he's very very young. Uh, DeAnthony Melton is about as young as you possibly would have a RFB be in the modern NBA because he was a second round pick. He's still 22 years old right now. He'll be 23 not till May. So this is someone you're getting, um, you know, basically you're getting his next season at 22. And that's crazy for someone who's hitting for agency. But Melton, the short version of him is he's sort of a combo guard size player. Uh, I think, you know, 6'2", 6'3", has decent size at the two and not great at all. He's definitely more of a combo guard. Like, probably not a a perfect on-ball point guard, but definitely can guard point guards defensively. Um, On offense... Uh, definitely an evolving player. He's better on better on defense than offense right now. But Melton's numbers, uh, his advanced stats this year were really really good. His shooting is a question. That's definitely the biggest question for me on Melton is his three point shooting. But other than that, he checks a lot of boxes. He's very young. I think he fit well with the Hawks next to Trey Young or also without Trey Young. If you put him in the backcourt with like Kevin Herter when Young sits, that would work in my opinion. Um, Melton is a, a really good fit. I like Melton a lot. Would I pay him four years and fifty five million dollars? No, I would not do that. That's a lot of money. And that might be what the might be what it takes. But if you can get him for a little bit cheaper than that, he'd be really, really fun. And he's someone to watch if you've not seen a ton of him. I loved him in the draft. If you were a listener to this podcast two years ago, he was in the 2018 draft. Uh, I was advocating for him as high as number 19 for the Hawks when the Hawks had the four picks at that point in time. They had the lottery pick, the 19, 30, and 34. 
Um, you know, obviously taking Kevin Herter was just fine at, at 19. That worked out pretty well for the Hawks. But I was uh, the guy yelling that they should be taking Milton at number, at number 30 overall. They didn't do that. Um, and I understand why, to some extent, I guess. But uh, he fell way too far. He went way too low in that draft. The Hawks passed on him twice. But someone who I think would be really interesting for the Hawks, and unlike some of the other guys on this list, he is exceptionally young. So if the Hawks wanted to have someone that fits alongside their timeline, he could be a choice for that. Okay, without getting... Any deeper into Melton, if you, again, read that piece by, by Andrew Kelly. It's very good. All right, last two guys that I want to touch on here briefly before we get out of here on the restricted, on the restricted free agent side um, are very expensive. One, one more than the other, but certainly both guys are going to take massive investments if they were to get out of their teams that they're in right now. First is Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Kings. Um, he is pretty nuanced in that he's already 27 years old. And that's pretty old for a player that is going to command a big-time contract to get him out of there. He isn't quite the player of Brandon Ingram, who's the other guy on this list. Um, but I think Bogdanovich, the asking price won't be through the roof. With that said, all indications at this point in time, both online and offline that I have heard, are that the Kings want to match on Bogdanovich. They want to, they want to keep him. Um, they seem to like him even more than Buddy Heal right now. I know they pay Buddy Heal a lot of money, and Buddy Heal's a lot more famous than Bogdanovich is, but they seem to like Bogdanovich more. They were starting him at the end of last year, and they were not starting Buddy Heal, for instance. But I say all that, I think offensively, Bogdanovich would help the Hawks quite a bit. He's a really versatile player, can play on the ball, can create his own shot, can shoot it. He's a really interesting player. Defensively, he's not great. He's not he's not terrible, but with what, the, with what the Hawks already have, he wouldn't be an ideal fit defensively when you already have Trey Young, and I think Kevin Herter is going to be okay defensively, but not someone who's going to change the game defensively. If you add in Bogdanovich, that's not the greatest fit in the world there. And again, he's pretty old at 27. Uh, but more than anything, for me anyway, uh, the cost is going to be what scares me away from from Bogdanovich quite a bit. Is that you're going to probably have to overpay him, and that means twenty plus million dollars per season for a guy like him to get him away from Sacramento if you really wanted him that bad, because they're going to match a reasonable offer. I think the comparison I would make if I was uh, just talking from the Hawks fan perspective is that you know famously the Hawks let Tim Hardaway Jr. walk a few years ago in, in, in RFA basically, and it's because. They were ready to match what they thought was a reasonable offer, and I think they would have matched a reasonable offer, and then the Knicks came in and made an unreasonable offer. Now, Tim actually really improved this year. It was really good, but that deal was bad when it was made by the Knicks, and the Hawks kind of just said, all right, we have to let you go, even though we wanted to keep you because they overpaid so much. Now, that's the best way to get a guy away from a team is to overpay, but for me, Bogdanovich is not the perfect enough candidate for me to do that if I'm the Hawks, especially given his age, defensive questions, fit stuff, and... Uh, probable cost. So there you go on that. He's a good player, but not someone I'd be uh, overly excited to target unless the uh, Kings sort of foreshadowed they were actually going to let him go for a reasonable number. And then the last is a guy who is very unrealistic, I think, in my opinion, and that's Brandon Ingram of the Pelicans. Uh, aside from Anthony Davis, who we'll talk about in part two tomorrow, Ingram is the best free agent available. Uh, he's definitely second best uh, behind Davis on this list. In addition, he's really young. He turns 23 in September. And uh, other than Melton, he's the youngest guy on any of these lists. Um, he just posted a season in which he had a 59% true shooting on 28% usage. He was really, really good offensively this year. He was efficient. He was productive. Defensively, he's not great, but he's super long and pretty interesting on that end of the floor. I don't think he's going to be like an all-NBA defender, but I think he's going to be pretty interesting and pretty effective if you can use his length efficient, uh, effectively. He needs to get stronger, but still a guy who is a budding star. I'm not sure he's going to be a superstar level player, but it wouldn't blow me away if he made an all-star team at some point in, in, in his career. He's that kind of talent. Obviously a former top three pick. Um, yeah, a really interesting guy. So on paper, he'd be a fantastic target for the Hawks. 
after all, Atlanta has the most cap space in the entire league this summer. And as a result of that, you know, Ingram would seemingly be, you know, he's young. He's the Hawks need another score on the perimeter. Um, you know, all these things they could offer in the max. I, I understand all that. With that said, the Pelicans, you know, by all indications, like similar to the Kings, but even more so, no one, and I mean no one that I've talked to, believes that the Pelicans would let Brandon Ingram go for any cost. Like, you could make it as painful as possible for the Pelicans by offering him like what what like what Gordon Hayward got um, to leave Utah, basically. And you got, you know, it's one of those things where you could offer him the three plus one with a player option that has some trade kickers and makes it as difficult as possible on the Pelicans. But at the end of the day, probably what will happen is the Pelicans will match it. Now, is there a downside to that? Maybe not, because the Hawks have so much cap space and the timeline is not going to be that much of an impact, I don't think, on Atlanta, that waiting for an offer sheet to be matched by the Pelicans wouldn't be that big of a deal, I don't think, for the Hawks. But realistically, I don't really see a scenario in in which the Hawks could sign Ingram to a contract and have the Pelicans not match it. I know last summer, Malcolm Brogdon changed teams as a restricted free agent, but... What happened there was kind of a unique situation. It was kind of like what the Hawks did with Joe Johnson a long, long time ago, and that essentially they signed and trade him um, as an RFA guy because the Bucks sent, um, sorry, the Bucks got a first round pick in the deal for letting Brogdon go to Indiana. Um, back in the day, the Hawks paid two first rounders and Boris Diaw to get Joe Johnson in a similar situation. Now, if I'm the Hawks, I would not pay that kind of price just to give Ingram the max. Um, would he make you better? Obviously, but I wouldn't want to give him the max and give up two first round picks. For instance, uh, that would some that'd be something that I would not do if I was the Hawks because that's just a bridge too far for me. But he would obviously help them. He would be an interesting target. And if there's some signal somewhere that the Pelicans may not match, then sure by all means. But I think um, it's sort of it's, it's sort of a weird situation because he's clearly the best guy in terms of other than Anthony Davis, of course. Um, that in terms of timeline and upside and current level of play. And, you know, age and everything else and position, he'd be a great, great ad for Atlanta. I just don't think it's going to matter because the Pelicans are going to match any offer. And honestly, they might, they might just max him on their own. So that's in play. Okay. Hopefully that and hopefully that sort of sets the stage a little bit for the restricted free agents. As I said before, part two will be a little bit longer. There are just a lot more guys who are unrestricted at this point in time because of just the logistics of that. Um, and we'll talk about all those guys on tomorrow's podcast. And again, as a reminder... I'm not advocating for all of these players. I just want to give you a, a, an idea of who to watch for in the bubble if you're looking for the Hawks only, like free agents. There are lots of free agents and player options and stuff like that to monitor in the next couple of weeks uh, slash months. So uh, there's a list of five, seven, eight guys to look at if you want to be some do some advanced scouting if you're a Hawks fan. And there you go on that. Okay. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Please subscribe to the podcast. It's been huge. We've already seen an uptick of that, so I really, really appreciate everybody that's been subscribing to the show in recent days. Go ahead and do that on the platform of your choice. Also, leave five-star feedback. Also, follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnHawks, which is also my primary account right now in the uh, Twitter purgatory that I'm in. But alas, thank you for listening as always, and we'll see everybody tomorrow.